All right, hello. Welcome to my new podcast, Talking's Not Dead. So before we get into it, I wanted to give you a bit of an intro to talk about what exactly the podcast is and the philosophy behind it. So um, it all started because there's this idea that I see kind of, you know, in society or, you know, everyday life that people don't talk about things anymore. They don't talk about, you know, what they're, go what they're going through, what they're interested in, and they don't have, you know, actual conversations. And my goal was to kind of counteract that or prove that that's not true. So um, every week I'm going to go ahead and invite someone on. Now I want to be clear, none of the people I invite on are experts. They're all um, friends of mine or people that I know. Um, some of them may be relatives of mine. And I just want to bring them on and talk to them about whatever they want to talk about. So another main point is that the person who I invite on will be the person to choose the topic. I will not have any influence over the to topics chosen. So they're going to choose a topic um, every week. We'll talk about it. Um, we'll have a conversation. I'll prepare some questions. And um, we'll see how it goes. So um, the first week that we have here, my friend uh, Josh, otherwise known as, his screen name is Black, so I call him Black just because that's how I know him on Discord. Um, he wanted to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and alternatives to Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, he's been on a bit of a journey to f uh, find alternatives. So um, that was a conversation that we just had, and it was really fun, really awesome. So um, once again, please, no one in this video is an expert. This is all just for fun, meant to be um, having a conversation prove that talking is not dead. So please be kind about any criticism or feedback you have about the conversation, okay? All right, let's go ahead and get into it. All right, thank you for coming on, Black. So your topic is Dungeons and & Dragons and D&D alternatives. So mm. uh, first question I wanted to ask you, why did you choose this topic? What made you want to choose this above everything else? Um, well, it kind of started after we've been playing this campaign for years that you've been hosting mm -hmm. and... I um I've liked DMing and I've always enjoyed it. It was like the first thing I was really into, and I did a couple one shots here and there over the last couple of years. Um, but I realized that five E combat and some of the things in five E I just didn't mesh with. It was the only thing I ever kind of grew up with in D and D because I only got into it like early to late two thousand tens ish, mm -hmm. and only really learned the rules like maybe. I don't know if I ever truly learned the rules even till sure, now. Sure. Um but who does? who does? Yeah, exactly. But I pretty much just didn't like how the combat flowed, how the tension like rose in the combat. Um and other little things I felt like well I missed what I was uh, what I originally felt in my first D&D games I ever had, mm -hmm. which were like no rules. Like we didn't understand what was happening. We just had two D6s because we didn't have any special dice. We just rolled it and we were like we just went with the flow, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was like, 5e, I've been, there's been issues growing in it that I've been like, I don't know if I fully like that as much. So I wanted to see if there's alternatives because I've never looked into actual alternatives. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I'm going to start like a little beta one shots where I do like little one shots with something, then why not just take a look and see what's out there, you know? Um, and that's kind of where I ended up now after doing a little research here and there. Cool. Well, mm -hmm. I have a couple more things I want to ask about about D&D before we get to that. But um, you kind of already touched on this, but if there's anything else you want to add really quickly. So what would, what would you say your journey was to finding out about D&D? Like, when did you first find out it was a thing? And then what was your journey like to looking into another system? When did, when did that start exactly? Well, it's a long journey for finding D&D. I, I, I don't really know exactly how I found D&D. Mm -hmm. I know in high school... I knew about it. I didn't know anybody who played it. And I was like the weird one in the group because I was kind of in between being with the jocks and with the super nerdy geeky kids. I was in that sure. weird in between. And so 
like I'd be like hanging out with them walking down the hallway and I'd be like, guys, I always wanted to play D and D, and they'd be like, that's the stupidest thing you ever said. That's so lame. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> it could be cool, you know. And and so yeah, exactly. And then pretty much that didn't went nowhere. And then one of my favorite YouTubers, the Oxcast, um, Good they YouTuber. did this. They did one one shot, um, which was just very loosey goosey, super stupid, no rules, obviously because I didn't learn any rules from it. Sure. And it was just looked fun. I was like, man, we should do this. And my whole group liked the Oxcast. That's how like our friend group. They're all British, so they all knew them. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we should play D and D. And pretty much what we did, we had like five of us, and we were like. What do we have? We have dice. We don't know how this game works. Let's look up how to, how to play it. We Full saw this massive, Yeah, we saw this massive PDF and we were like, we're not reading this. I was the only one who took the initiative to read it and I didn't learn anything from it because I was sure. like, this is a million words to memorize. There's a lot. Um, and so we just took turns DMing, but we didn't plan anything. It was fully like, we just, whatever came to the top of our head, we just went sure. with. And I still remember the first game that I ever did, which was like, they, they were walking down the road. That's how it always started. We were always just walking down a road in the middle of a forest. <laughs> and, you know, this is classic. And I was like, oh, a guy ran into you. He dropped something. And then he said, give that back to me in the next village. And he just runs away. And they're like, okay, whatever. And they opened up and it's like, oh, give me this piece of jewelry in the next place. And then they got attacked by gnomes. And it was just super stupid, but it was so fun because we didn't know what was happening. It, we didn't understand what the rules were and it was just you know it just went with it after that it kind of slowed down because um the group just kind of moved on to different things and we sure. all just didn't understand what was happening and we didn't really have an ongoing campaign necessarily um and so it was a little gap truthfully where i then f- started and i found critical role critical mm-hmm. role was like my first step to actually understanding what D was how it actually semi-functioned right. And it also gave me the Matt Mercer effect of being like, oh, I can never, like, I should do it like how they're doing it. And then I realized I can never do that. Right. Um, Everyone kind of has that journey. Yeah. It's like, okay, there's no way I can do this. I'm not good at improv, um, but I still loved it. So I just stuck with that. I just watched that. I tried to find people at university. Mm -hmm. I found one group that were doing it in psychology and I hit them up and the guy didn't like me. He said our group was full. And I'm like, okay, Uh... well that's how it is um and then i ran into you and the group and you guys were playing divinity you guys were playing divinity which was made who's like the makers made baldur's gate Mm -hmm. and um you guys were like hey let's do a one shot for our special christmas thing and then bam we got a campaign after that there you go yeah i felt super lucky yeah i felt super lucky that you know, you gave the opportunity to do a campaign because like it was like a decade of not getting a campaign going, even though I've been watching it and like following it and wanting to try it. Yeah. And yeah, your so journey is definitely question. a lot different than my journey, which is very interesting, yeah. I think, because actually, I don't know if you know this. Uh, I didn't really know what Dungeons and Dragons was until Yogev was like, do you want to play with us? Yeah, and I then, feel like, yeah. like I didn't even know about it. And then he was like, pick a character, pick a class. And I just kind of like. And then after playing, I learned more. Like, I played my first session not knowing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? But I had been approached. Whereas you kept, you wanted to play for a long time, and you couldn't right. find anyone to give you that chance to, like, play long form. Exactly, yeah. I, I feel like that's how it mostly is now. Like, I, um, I ran to my group of friends. I went to one of my friends' graduation, and she introduced me to a new person. He was like, yeah, man, I just found Critical Role. 
I, and like I want to do it. And then like all the friends were like, oh yeah, we're in. And then they had this big group that were like didn't know what was happening, but they all hopped in together and they yeah. all had like you know what I mean? Like you you start playing and you understand. Yeah. I I didn't have any of that for a decade pretty much, which yeah. was heart wrenching in a way because I always wanted to try it and I was like I thought of different ways of doing it. Long road. Um, but yeah, it's never been possible. So, um. Yeah. What what campaign did you start watching for Critical? Was it one or two? One. I caught. I remember vividly that they were around episode forty four ish when mm. I because I used to watch the live stream just to see the initial bit because I wanted to see it and feel like I was you know staying up to it. Sure. But yeah. I felt that I wanted to start from the beginning and I, I enjoyed yeah. the beginning. I think a lot of people struggle because with audio quality and stuff. But it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. twenty thirteen. I was watching it on a tablet. I'll just mute it or it like turn it up. Time, yeah, was... It was different. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I got a hard hitting one for you. So feel free to yeah, yeah, take yeah. some time to think about this. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite D and D memory, or maybe we can open this up to a couple of memories if you wanted to share. Do you have anything that pops to mind for a favorite memory? Could be anything. Um... Could be anything related to D D doesn't necessarily have to be in campaign but it could be, could be well the first one watching. is the first it's it's the first campaign that i did like the first yeah. like little it wasn't even a campaign one shot it was just all those little mini one shots are yeah. like immortalized in my mind like my yeah. one of my friends ron did a dragon attack and we couldn't get inside this town he pretty much we had the issue of like dms didn't know what to do yeah and didn't know like how to railroad it properly so yeah. that it was like one of them was we fell in the pit and we couldn't get out of the pit. Like I was like, I want to climb out. And he was like, no, you can't. And it's like, okay, well, okay. I see how this is going. Or like, we want to get <laughs> in the city. And they're like, no, the gate's closed. And it's like, okay, yeah, well. <laughs> uh, the railroading yeah. can be like that when it's not fun. It's just, you can't do this. You know what I mean? Which is never fun. Yeah. So, but those are really fond memories I still have. Um, for main campaign that we do have, um, I think the one shot that got us into it was really memorable. I still that like was watching a lot of the fun. highlights and the clips. That one was good. Because um, it was just like, there was something special was just, about that one. It was loosey goosey, so special. It went on forever. Um, yes, it, it did. <laughs> eight people. It went on for like nine hours. It was like seven in the morning when we finished. Yeah. Um. Uh. In game campaign, I think about like the dojo, the mountain. I think that's like one of your best combats you ever did, where like yeah. we were climbing up the hill for my story arc. Maybe yeah, it's because I'm good. biased. No, I think I think arc, that but... one I kind of pulled out pretty well too. That one, I think for me as a dm it's hard for me to mesh combat and narrative together sometimes yeah and i think that one was one of the ones i did really well where i meshed narrative and combat i um, better I think than were, i do for the other ones it was definitely a, like an expert work because like i think what worked was the tension there was a goal there was a time element so we yes. actually had to hurry yes there was chase rules there was also prepping at different stages that we could do yes and just I like, like that. add it up to be like a whole thing versus like you know, like we'll get into it later, but like the combat can become very still. The tension yes. starts really high in the beginning and then goes down very rapidly. Yeah, and then it's yeah. like, oh, well, I, feel like, I feel like that one definitely had the cohesion to keep the, the tension. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the ones I can think of right now. But okay. I was just curious. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, so we're talking about the general genre of like tabletop role playing games. What do you think mm. makes tabletop role-playing games different from like video games or other board games? Like, what do you think makes them sets them apart? Oh, well, I I still don't have a lot of experience in tabletop to be honest. I, my my side of it's always been the role-playing mm -hmm. element, aka D and D, for the most part. Because this is why I took this whole journey in like the last two months. It's not even mm -hmm. a long time. Um, the main difference is that you just have freedom of choice. I think the idea of making your own character the way you want that character to look, the way you mm -hmm. want that character to act, that type of options, although it can be overwhelming, it was like, oh, why haven't we done this? Like, mm -hmm. 
everybody like had all these like ideas about D and stuff being super nerdy and stuff but it's really just about playing a video game the way you wanted the video game to be played originally. yeah it's like when it's like when a new game comes out and you're like oh it's gonna have all these things and you can make a clan and we can all clan up and do these things and you realize like oh no the clan can only have four people or you can only do the this or the same level in. exactly and like that's really was the main appeal for me for tabletop versus um video games video games are nice because they hold your hand they have like a linear path usually and you just go mm -hmm. along with the story or the flow or it's like competitive there's a competitive mm -hmm. side to it but dnd didn't have that competitive side that i i actually really enjoy there's no competition because mm -hmm. competition can lead to raging can lead to a lot of factors that i know i'm naturally competitive mm -hmm. um and so it can bother me if I lose. But if it's like a co-op based adventure where everybody's working towards a common goal, that's also a normal, like a natural appeal for me uh, versus video games. Um, and like, there's not many co-op video games in general. I feel yeah. like it's super hard to find a At really least good, good ones. One. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And so, like, even those, a lot of those good ones have a four player limit. Exactly. And now like, for example, Baldur's Gate, like, I'm so gutted that they don't have another one because I really want to uh... buy it. And I'm like thinking like, should I buy it? Should I play alone? But, you know, honestly, yeah, just a, a side appeal. thing, like, I would honestly, like, do, like, a side one if you wanted to do one. Just I can't imagine style. doing that. Because, like, the thing is, like, you want to keep the pacing and everything be new for the That's initial fair. playthrough. I can't, I couldn't do that to you guys. Like, I looked into mods, but it's like you want to mod a game when it's probably perfect the way it is right now. And it's apparently really good. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to touch it, you know. So yeah. I, I might just do a solo playthrough. I don't back know if to I'll that watch. kind of journey, though, too. You know what I mean? I it am. It's, it's, it repeats. I like I've talked to people about it and they're like, eh, I don't really want to do it. So, yeah, I'll figure that one out probably in the future. But, yeah, that's fair. Okay, well, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Um, so D&D &D 5e, uh, mm -hmm. what do you think D&D &D 5e does well and what do you think it doesn't do well? I think World X, okay, so I think it's been talked about a lot. Overall, it's really good at getting new players into the game, like tabletop, because that's mm -hmm. how I got in. I learned how to do it. Even though it has a lot of numbers and like proficiencies, for example, is really confusing because it's like, where are you getting these numbers for the skills? But mm -hmm. you realize it's just like, oh, it's just plus two for every single one that you have proficiency. It's like, oh, okay. It, it adds up really quickly once you understand what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy to hop in, it's easy to get started. Um, it's a known name too for 5e mm -hmm. so people just like if you want to tell somebody like oh let's do pathfinder people will be like i don't know what the heck that is but if you say D D, they'll be like oh yeah i want to i've heard of that. dungeons and dragons yeah yeah, yeah it's exactly. got that name recognition because it's the biggest uh tabletop rpg that exists yeah so that one's super good for that reason uh, i think that item wise and like the resources and materials like even when i was doing my own research it's like nothing compared to 5e. 5e has so much junk out there mm -hmm. that you can pick and choose what you want and it manipulate does. it if you really want it. That it's overwhelming, but it's also super nice for people who want to swap out the game or who want to um, just have something that can be pre-written for them. Sure. Which a lot of other games don't have. And yes. will be something that I'll probably that talk about true. a little bit later. Because it, if you don't have that handheld, like hand-holding and being like, this is an example of how this actually works, mm -hmm. you're like this just looks intimidating. It's going to be a lot of beta testing and a lot of seeing like, it would probably take a lot of time to understand fully if you like it truly over another right. system like 5e. Right. So 5e is really nice because it has all those resources, super easy to hop in. And then last thing probably is world exploration. I think it's really geared towards that. Um, and the RP element works with it too. It just, 
all those skills and all those options of just throwing something out there mm -hmm. and just people automatically knowing, okay, that would be a persuasion check. Oh, that would be here. And I just look there. Mm -hmm. It definitely makes it a really good system. Um, the main flaw I think would be, um, I think the it's not necessarily a flaw with the system, but it's the flaw of how the system has been evolving mm. and how it was like, it was like the dawn of it and then how it got on later on. So combat and I think story wise it's it's something that i feel like we could talk about a little bit later but it's it doesn't do as well in that element um do you i mean you could you could talk about it now if you want to be specific what do you, sure. what do you think like uh, so for let's we'll start with combat what do you think it doesn't do well in combat so combat i've done a lot of research on that one but the more i learned about it the more i learned that tension is the main issue mm -hmm. i think and I, I might be wrong. There's a lot of different elements that I think are wrong. I think a lot of things are dumbed down. I think a lot of things are very black and white. I think an issue that you come into play, and this goes back to when I first started playing D&D, uh, is that once you know a rule set, it's hard to deviate from that rule set. And you'll have a lot of people that like to stick to that rule set too. Right. And it's hard to be creative if you have that one rule set. So if you have a page and it just says, oh, I have the sword. You're just gonna swing with that sword every single time. You're gonna say, right. "I attack this guy with a sword." It's, it's gonna be lame, right? But when I did, when like our group first started playing, we had no paper. We had like one health thing mm. <laughs> and like a little list of items. People were doing really cool things, and you just say, "Go for it," and you just yeah. make up a thing that they have to roll up to. So, um, yeah, I forgot the question. Sorry. Well, we're, yeah, we're just talking about combat yeah. right now. Like, what you think? Combat yeah, combat. Do, like D and D five E. Like, what does it not do well about combat? Yeah, I think the main issue is that it works really well with small parties mm -hmm. and really bad for big parties. That's another fair, thing. Sure. I think that time, there was an interesting thing that I saw from a YouTuber where he was like, oh, yeah, like most boss battles or battles in general probably should be three to four turns. And mm -hmm. your initial thought as a DM or as a normal person would be like, that doesn't sound like a lot of turns. You have four turns to do whatever you want as your character with all these items and all this mm -hmm. magic and stuff. But what you realize it's like, four turns is like an hour and like a half maybe because yeah. if you do each person with five minutes and then people get distracted or their side conversations on the side or the dm has maybe like let's say 10 characters on the field and even if he groups them together there's still a lot of rolling happening a lot of math happening mm -hmm. and you realize this takes a long time so like when you do a boss battle that's like a four hour maybe plus session depending yeah. if you want to have multiple layers to it and it just extends so long that it's kind of boring because it removes attention if there's a long period of time of playing the game, depending. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's just a long period of time to invest in, too. Like, a lot of people, when I talk to them and try to get them into D&D, they're like, oh, man, like, how long are the sessions? And I'm like, four hours. And I'm like, four hours of time yeah. I have to allocate? <laughs> Which it's is, like, to be fair, fair enough. You know, like, you know, in our campaign, we definitely, definitely do two to three hour sessions to try and leave mm. that a little bit. We try to do it a little bit shorter, which I do think does That's work true. to our, it's, it's slower to get through things, but I think it does help a little bit because in the other campaign I was playing in four hours was what we would do. And that is a yeah. lot of time. It does get like, it's hard to stay focused on things that long. You know what I mean? Right. And a lot of people who are like, iffy on D and D and are like, I'm just doing this because my other friends are doing this or I want to just try it. Like the time is just a no go. So combat really adds to that time length yeah. that a lot of people don't like. And video games really cuts that down. They just right. video game fights would go down so fast. They so like you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. the main issue with combat that I learned. It was detention, length of time, and just 
black and white. The issue is yeah. like a lot. Of, you can't be that creative with it. You know, that's sometimes. actually something. You know, I'll, I'll touch on this really quickly for my personal yeah. experience. That's something that I've definitely, I definitely agree with because you know it's weird because like we we talked about how you know the main thing that's different about tabletop RPGs is that like the sky's the limit with your um, imagination, but. It's we, what's weird about D&D 5e is that there's a lot of things that you think you should be able to at least try to do, but the rules don't let you do as written. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. for example, like grappling someone, like grabbing someone, you would think that that's yeah. a very useful thing to do. And a lot, I've seen a lot of people, especially people I've played with, um, gravitate towards that when they first start playing. But D&D yeah. 5e rules as written, grappling is really bad. It doesn't do anything. You just hold the person. They can't move. They can still attack you. They can still do everything else that they could do. They yeah. just move their movement speed zero, and then you can't do anything. You know what I mean? I guess you, yep. could, you could keep hitting them, but again, that's not very interesting. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people are like, Correct. "Oh, what if I grab them and I move them over here? Or if I grab them and I throw them, or I, you know, I grab them and I tackle them to the ground." You know, I mean, there's a lot of other things, and I do know that there are certain feats that you can do, but like you have to build very specifically to do those extra extra things. So yeah, it's like, exactly. It's possible, but if that's like one of your focuses as a character. Yeah, the, I think one issue that D and D has, I guess I didn't address, was also that there's so many. Since there's so much content out there that you can pull from, they want to make every single class they create that's new, like unique. So they're removing an option that another class can do sometimes because people will be like, "Oh, well, this class has this, so you can't sure. do this move." And I, I think a good example of that is um, fighter. Mm -hmm. I, like Battlemaster has all these incredible moves and it's only locked to this one class where right. honestly it could be used for all of them. Sure. And I think a thing that 5e does, and I, I remember Yogev saying it in our campaign one time, is that it like tries to not give you more stuff every single level or give you all these options. Like it's supposed to like, you know, sometimes you're not supposed to level up and get anything cool. Yes. That's just how or it like you just get like another spell or whatever, you know what I mean? Which is cool, right. but it's like it's not expanding your play style dramatically. Right. And I think the thing that I learned about D&D, &D, the more that we played it and the more that I've done one shots at higher levels, is that the more options you have, since the game is honestly probably more black and white than we would like to imagine, even mm -hmm. though they feel like you have the whole sandbox of the world to use. Right. It's kind of an illusion. The more options you have, the better it is. And since D&D &D just cuts you down for what you can have, and then on top of it, all these classes have all these special abilities but you can't even attempt to try to do those usually mm -hmm. unless the dm's like yeah sure but yeah i don't know it just yeah. feels like you're just lose all these options because they're just split up into these little subcategories another you know? thing i'll mention too really quickly as that's someone who dms for the most part now i don't i don't play as much um a lot of the higher level especially the higher level stuff but a lot of players abilities are very contextual and they're not very, they're, they're not common. You know what I mean? A lot of like the special things you can do, you can do this yeah. thing if this happens. And that thing that needs to happen is very specific. And yeah. some DMs, especially, or maybe not even intentionally, but some DMs just don't line up for those events to happen to allow you to use your special cool thing. So maybe in a vacuum, like you can do this really cool thing, but it never comes up because the DM, either the, the DM never makes it happen, or even if they try to, sometimes, you know, D&D is a very anything can happen in terms of what they plan. So sometimes even if they try to do it, it just doesn't happen. Yeah. And that can also be locked behind because mechanical wise, like a lot of cool things can just be locked behind an action. And the thing with an action is that you only get one of them right. per turn. Action economy is and hard, difficult. It's really bad in D and D I think too, in a way like it's a, not enough classes have enough bonus actions or reactions or right. opportunities I agree with that. to do things outside of actions. So like I a cleric is only doing one spell per turn and it'll just be a lowly cantrip at the ending of the ca battle 
that's not cool. That's not keep, keeping the person investor right. having the stakes feel high. You're right. Once everybody's just doing one canter per turn. You're right. So yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely a major issue with it that I found. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned also something about the story. What do you what did you mean by that in terms of the Dungeons and Dragons for story and what's the problem with it as you see it? So I think doing this campaign with you and like it's been like a sixty session campaign or whatever. Yeah, we're at, at what sixty seven. A long game. Yeah, yeah. Over we're, two we're, years. We're pushing it. Yeah, this is like a we're true gonna end it soon. First... I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a really good first experience. Like I think the group all can agree that. It's taught us a lot about what we like about D&D, what we don't like about D&D, how we are as players, and whatever. I think something that I totally learned about long game campaigns that I really dislike, and this is nothing against you or anything that... Feel free control, to criticize away. I'm totally open to it. This, this is pretty open-ended, I think, with the whole genre of 5e right now, is that long game campaigns are the choice to choose. Like Everybody's like, oh, let's do a super long campaign. We'll meet up every sure. day, every day this week and do that initially i think it's okay but i think the issue is when you have an ongoing story if it's not like compartmentalized i can't remember yeah yeah when it's like put into little subsections um if you have a long ongoing story what happens is that characters and people in the party have to stay alive or that group has to stay together to make the system work or the story work if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so like maybe the dm doesn't plan it this way but to some extent, the, there's a feeling that the players have plot armor the further a story goes. Mm. Because once you start getting close, or like, let's say in our part of the campaign right now, in my mind right now, I feel like B has a lot of, um, in our campaign, B has like a tattoo that's related to the story. Mm. Or he has like, you know what I mean? There's certain elements that are related that you feel like, okay, B probably could, doesn't have a high likelihood of dying, even if he gets knocked down. And dying just feels like it's not a thing that happens much because one, it'll interrupt the story and the flow. So the whole party will have to get used to a new person, which the DM doesn't want to do that extra work. The player doesn't want to do that extra work. And the players in the party are like, well, now we just lost the flow of what the character was with our group. Mm -hmm. And we understood. And then we had all this growth with them. Um, And it just leads to a thing where like people don't feel like there's a chance of dying or Mm, there's no chance of. Yeah. Hey, Momo. Um, there's no chance of dying, or um, it just tension goes down the longer yeah, the campaign goes. That makes sense. What you're saying. Like, no, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. So um, like, it doesn't feel like combat or anything. Yeah, going. Yeah. I was going to say just to add to that, I think part of the problem is from the DM side too. You know what I mean? Like, say mm-hmm. the DM. You know what I mean? Maybe not even. Maybe you're not thinking about the story, but you're thinking about your player, right? Like, say, say, say. You know, exactly. you put all this work into your character. You spend a lot of time yep. thinking about their character and what you, their story you want to be, you know what I mean? How you've been building your character and then yep. you kill them. It's like, it feels bad, you know what I mean? I know a lot of DMs that aren't like, I know like Matt Mercer has killed characters and stuff like that. Right. Um, but like a lot of like, you're like, unless they're like, I, I've met a DM that's a, like a masochist who like try to like kill, like, try to kill a character <laughs> a session kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, unless yeah. you're like that, most people probably have never killed a character. Just because right. again, it's, it's no, scary. Agreed. It's like... It's almost, and that's just the nature of the game. It's like you don't want to ruin their fun by killing them. You know what I mean? Maybe it would make for yeah. a really good moment, but you don't know. You know what I mean? No, you're a hundred percent right. Because like, yeah, character-wise, if I, if a character, if somebody didn't get to the story arc they wanted, and they've been waiting the entire game to get through one story arc, and then they die before the story arc, I can imagine them being pissed. Oh yeah, <laughs> which sucks. But that's a that's the consequence of picking this long stage format. I think that a lot yeah. of players don't realize is that there's death is actually 
a massive consequence that everybody's trying to avoid right. but not in the sense that like oh we should be scared every battle it's more so like oh don't worry we'll be okay because we have to get there or else one of the people are going to be upset or the tension's not going to or we're not going to get the final story arc we wanted i do want to push know? back on this a little bit i want to share a little huh. bit of my experience and kind of see what your thoughts are on this really quickly so i it. played in yogev's campaign uh his yeah. campaign number two um, and mm-hmm. Yogev is a great DM. This isn't anything about Yogev's DMing, but Yogev, um, he has he has a way of you know making it at least maybe the illusion or maybe not that you know anything could like things are dangerous. This could happen. He he you stick in the low levels a lot longer in his campaigns. Um, yeah. And the party that I was playing with, I had some issues with because um, we would run away from a lot of things. We would not mm. be we would not take risks. We would not be confrontational. And so on the yeah. other end. The fun was gone because we weren't doing anything. We would run away from fights. We wouldn't, you know, do, you know, specific actions. We wouldn't take jobs because, oh, this could be dangerous. We could die. And so it's hard to strike that balance because you're right. You lose the tension if you never could die. But how do you keep it so that there is tension because you could just run away? And it's like, well, then you never do anything. It is a game. You need to, like, fight things to have fun. Right. And I think that's the issue with the long game format. It's just the long game format and what 5e was built to be in a way, mm-hmm. which I think we've all just considered as canon is that 5e is meant for long game campaigns. Other mm-hmm. five, other D&D systems and other tabletop systems like can be short form, but everybody mm-hmm. thinks of 5e as being this long game system, but nobody realizes that like after watching Critical Role, like once they started streaming it, I don't think many people have died. I remember them saying like, "Oh, like Pike has died," and there's only been a couple deaths. There hadn't been that many. No, there was uh, been like what was Vax died a couple times, but like he officially died in the ending. Spoiler, yeah, my bad. And uh, then, but um, like Talzin had a character died, right? Correct. Officially, like not in second campaign. 100%. Yeah, but yeah. that was pretty much it so far that and like yeah, unless it's I, meant for the story yeah it doesn't they don't they people avoid it i see what you're saying um it's just an issue and i think that short what i learned is that short form stories are better than having a full long arc mm-hmm. like a tv show because tv shows you can script it the way you want and people mm-hmm. are okay with that because mm-hmm. the tension's always there because the viewers don't know what's happening mm-hmm. but if you're the actual character in that story and it's scripted you like feel like okay I, oh yeah, I know what the ending is, so I have to be there. Because if yeah. I'm not there, then how does that work? You I know? see what you're saying. Well, so yeah, it's definitely a thing that I've considered um, while playing through this campaign, and it's not nothing against you. I think it's mostly just how the system is, mm-hmm. and I think there is that element of dying. But once we're getting to that late game stage, like where we're trying to wrap up the campaign, like you said, mm-hmm. there's a certain element of being like, well, if we all died. And we've been spent all this yeah, time. Yeah, like a TPK is very unsatisfying battle. after two plus years of playing. You know what I mean? It's like, as yeah. a DM, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll take this out of the hat as it were. I don't want to kill you all, like, before but, you like, get to the you final boss. But, like, you want to keep that edge. You know what I mean? Like, maybe, yeah, maybe in the final boss, I would, like, let it happen. Like, you guys fail, ultimately. Like, I right. would, like, be okay with that. But, like, you know, I don't want you guys to, like all die before that tbks before that just doesn't sound very fun you know what i mean and yeah a tbk kind of sucks because well i mean there's ways to do it but like you kind of lose a lot of work that you do as a dm you know what i mean you, you kill all your characters and it's like well sure. you either start from scratch you know what i mean or I mean, you could keep the same world but there's an interesting over. thing that i saw in a couple books for like alternative systems because some of the books are actually quite quirky and like the authors are actually like writing their own like feedback of what mm. their play was mm-hmm. and like there was one section for the death area because i was looking at how mm-hmm. like death works and um, other systems mm-hmm. and the guy was like 
personally, I kill them whenever. Like I'm okay with that. But one of the the other guy who co-authored it, he only kills it when it's like a big story event. Mm, mm-hmm. So people will go unconscious, but they'll never fully die until yeah. that big moment. That makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like that's a conundrum that you come up with naturally with the five E long system. Yeah. And like other systems too if you take a system a game so far because it's not even it's out of the game's control almost it's more the story element the system the, the way the system is played not the system itself correct like D wouldn't have um, that problem if everyone played one shots like anyone could die whatever you know what i mean right but like nobody's doing that with 5e yeah. that's not what 5e is necessarily built for in a way too, at least at least people it's 20 it. levels yeah right because it's 20 levels so like you could speed run it but it's meant for a long-term campaign sure. with one to 20 so yeah yeah Okay, um, I have a question. So if you could make one single change to D&D 5e, what would it be? What do you think the most important change you could be in terms of the rules or like what would you what would you be the first thing you would do? Um, that's honestly quite time. hard. I don't know if one change could do anything, to be honest. You don't think it could do anything? 5e is so basic that it works. It's perfect right. because it's so basic. Once you start adding stuff, and this is what I'm also learning while I'm like trying to like take things here and there from other ones or like looking at other ones. Sure. Is that other systems get complicated very quickly once you add like even one element. Yes. And when that one element is introduced, I'm back to that stage where I'm like, I'm reading this book and I'm not absorbing any of this information because right. this is all information I've never right. done before. Does, and then you want to run back to 5D. Yeah. So like there's one that I think could work. Um, and we can talk about it too, like later on too. But there's a system called Thirteen Age. I found this is this is actually my next question. So let's just get into this. Okay. What sure. are some alternatives that you found to D and D? What are some that you found? Okay. Yeah. So I'll give the 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 like the reasoning of why I started looking for these first, sure. just to give an idea of it. So I wanted to do a couple one shots to get that confidence back, and not not replace the one long campaign i kind of just want to dm a couple times here and there mm-hmm. and maybe put in the same realm but like i don't care if it's i don't want it to be a long-term campaign pretty right. much is what i want like i'll leave that to anybody else to do and like be a part of that and be a player more so because i don't think i could do that anyways for sure <laughs> i don't think i have the capability to dm that long um one because um i overthink things so i can't just like put it on a page and be like okay guys i'm good this session every time like i'll stress right. me out so I'm always like amazed that you can keep it going, and like I think that's one of the biggest elements is that you've been doing this for two years and keeping that flow going. I try my best. It's insane. Even like, and like we, it feels like you have everything prepped. Obviously, you won't have everything prepped as a DM, but that illusion that everything is there and you're good to go every single week is like incredible. And I don't think I could ever do it. That's why I feel like one shots are more my style. Yeah. But pretty much what happened was I was in bed one night at like six in the morning. Sure. Yeah, very early. No, um, that's when the best ideas come. And, yeah, and I was on YouTube, and YouTube recommended a random video from Matt Coville, um, yeah. if you know him. And yes, good it was YouTuber. about West, West March's campaigns. And I was like, what is this? It was pretty much about a guy who was playing, I think it was an older edition of five, uh, like 3 or something, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And he had a group, and he had a big group. It was like 15 people, I think. Maybe this is wrong, but take it with a grain of salt. But sure. the whole idea. Just yeah. theme. Um, and he was like, I want to make a campaign that everybody can be involved with and like play in. So what he did was he was like, okay, we have this one starting town, super safe. Nobody, nothing happens here. This is home base. This is the hub. This is video game rules. Right. Everybody's safe. This town is like completely guarded. Nothing can happen. You're on the outskirts of the world. 
you have to travel west pretty much because there's nothing everything's trying to be retaken and re-explored again because sure. it got lost in the wilds and everything and this is the time that we need adventurers to go out there and figure out what's out there and like learn it sure. so the idea is that it's not story driven you have players like make their own little characters they have like and they just go off into the wild they can have like these job boards which can give them initiation like sure. be like okay go to this tile on the map and look for a garden okay sure you go to that garden and then you they see things along they see things on along the way and then when they come back they write a little paragraph about what their adventure was because they're not going to have everybody in the group if there's 15 people playing they're not going to have everybody play so let's say two people went to go see that garden right they see an orc go into a cave to the right of them and they come back and they write that in and they say oh yeah i saw an orc go into a cave on the right when we were walking over here mm-hmm. people mark that on a map they have an empty map with the starting town in it and people mm-hmm. fill in the map and they fill in this story by the players making their own story pretty much from mm-hmm. what they see i see and it's a, so it's the whole idea is exploration and more adventure based and more it's the idea is kind of like a one shot in a way multiple one shots that are building into a, a overarching story that people overlap so an idea would be like okay they found a dungeon they complete the dungeon and they're going to come back to town but they see this door and they open the door and they see a dragon in there. Mm-hmm. And one of their guys die because they ventured too far in. And they run back to the town and they say, hey guys, we found this treasure vault. We're avoiding that. Don't go there. Death trap. Mm-hmm. The other five players might be like, guys, there's loot there. Yeah. Let's do it. And they they do that. Or like you can get like a group going. They pretty much the players are taking the initiative of creating the story of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super interesting. And the whole idea is like it takes a day to get back. Um, like you have one one session to do whatever you need to do before you have to come back to town pretty mm-hmm. much too. I don't know how I feel about that necessarily, but I do like the idea that multiple players can come in. They can go do these different, different missions, draw on the map, write a little paragraph about what they saw. Right. And the misinformation, for example, the DM's not meant to like do any involvement with what the players report. Mm-hmm. So if the players report like a goblin went into that cave when it was actually an orc, DM's like, Oh, well that's your fault for misinterpreting right. what you saw going into that cave. And then people may say, oh, yeah, the gobl- a little goblin went in there. We can handle goblins. You go in, there's a whole group of orcs. You're like, oh, well, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. But it's the whole idea that creates that element of story. And, I like, see what you're saying. Yeah. Death is, less, le- is more interesting, too, because it's more about adventure and leveling versus like an overarching story where you'll have that plot armor. Right. Pretty much you're signing up to die to go into this wild to get loot and like become a rich person. Right, and right. Do what you want afterwards. So um, after learning about that, um what was the original question just uh well i'm just asking like what what are some alternatives to D D you found right so i wanted to find things that were related to that on purpose because i didn't like the long game form and i know pathfinder and stuff like that like i took initial looks at them and i was like if i'm just gonna get these ones like it's gonna be playing 5e in a nutshell for the most part like you're gonna be able to customize your character more which i really like you're gonna be able to do it's gonna be a different action economy which is probably a good thing but i'm so self-reliant on 5e because it's the only thing that i know that's scary Mm -hmm. to venture off in a full different action economy yes initially so when i was looking for ones to go out to i was like okay let's see if there's ones that are really similar to 5e that follow a similar d20 rule set and venture off there and i found a couple so there was like candela obscura that came out for critical role recently yes that just came where they did they came up with like a kind of like a ghost adventuring one, but I didn't really care about the theme. I cared about what the mechanics were. Right. Um, and I was like, okay. And one of them was a really cool one was like a death one where like, if you die, you get like a mark or something and you can re- readapt your attributes. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting idea. I don't know if I like that too much, but I'm going to sure. keep that in mind. 
with death being an element that I'm looking at, combat and, and death. Mm-hmm. Um, looked into Pathfinder, looked into a whole bunch of different ones, and Reddit, Reddit's full of people making opinions about what they want. And right. I'm like, I'm not reading all these books that people are recommending. Sure. But I found this one system called 13th Age. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this might be the gem I've always been looking for. <laughs> yeah. And I d- barely talked about online at all. It's pretty much a system made by the fourth E and third E DM D and D people. Mm-hmm. The head lead of both of those games sure. came together and made this game before five E. But okay. pretty much it's like it's like four it's like five E if it was like a different alternative, like a side kid of it. Sure. It was like a beta version almost. Right, 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 right. Um so similar people and- had hands in the previous ones that made this. Right, and so Five E was made by somebody else completely, but yeah. it was Four E and Three. Like we're like, what would we do if we were going to make a Five E game system type right. of thing? And that's what they did. And it's honestly so similar to Five E that you could drag anything you want from it and put it into Five E, which is incredible because it came out like a year before. Hmm. So I started taking a look into it. Cause I was like, okay, this is actually really interesting because I don't have to relearn a lot of things mm-hmm. so they do feats and classes and stuff slightly different more path uh, path of, uh pathfinder style sure i'm um, imagining it's closer to 3.5 a little bit correct a little bit but it's it's definitely more 5e than anything okay but what i pulled from it was like i really like the full focus of the game was to make it bare bone so mm-hmm. even more bare bone than 5e they're like skills Toss all those stats out. Why do we even need them? The main element that they replaced it with was backgrounds. Mm. So instead of having like, okay, you have proficiency in persuasion, intimidation, insight. They're like, okay, let's just say you have eight points and you put this into any background you want, but you should have like a minimum of like two to three, Mm. let's say. So the whole idea is like, okay, I'm making a new character. I'm a human. I was a sailor at one point. I became a blacksmith, and sure. now I'm a writer. Sure. And then you put that character into a game, and I say, okay, I provide these certain amount of points towards it. And then instead of having like the DM say on a boat, like, can everybody make sleight of hand checks to see if you can do this, or mm-hmm. and like having that black and white thing where like the players just, it's more like an automatic, like, okay, let's just check this black and white box here and be like, okay, sure. I'm good at this. Okay, for sure. In that system, it removes that with the background and just says, okay, you guys are on the boat. The boat's about to, like, it's in a storm. What do you guys do? Mm-hmm. And then pretty much the guy can say, oh. Um, or, like, maybe the DM will be like, oh, can you roll, like, a deck save? Everybody roll a deck save type of thing. Mm-hmm. But he can say, oh, instead of just looking at the stat and saying, oh, make a slight hand check or something, he can be, like, act- actively thinking about his backstory and being like, well, I was a sailor. Hey, DM, I'm a sailor. I knew how to do this before. Mm. I, can I add that bonus on top of it? Pretty much saying, like, can I add this proficiency onto it? I, I like see. that idea that it's making you actively think about your so, backstory instead of just zoning out. You know? Yeah, so you, you argue for the bonuses. So you get proficiency when the DM says, this makes sense for what your background, one of the backgrounds you right. have, you get proficiency because of that background. So you have to ask the right. DM every single time. But it can be more versatile in that sense, I think. Because instead of being like... Because there's sometimes in D&D where you'd be like, well, that makes sense. Your backstory obviously makes sense, even though you don't have proficiency. Add that with advantage or something, sure. what we do as a replacement for that. But like in this system, it kind of makes you actively think about like, oh, what is my character? Like, what did he do? So mm-hmm. like in like some situations that wouldn't be as obvious as being a sailor on a boat, mm-hmm. you could still apply that sailor buff to something else. Yeah. So like going to like um, 
I don't know, cargo or something. Yeah. Maybe you have an idea about how cargo's loaded onto stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can apply it. I like that element of it. Yeah. Um, it's another more element tile in terms of what the check would be. Yeah, exactly. That also probably so makes it, knowledge checks easier. Yeah. Cause because like, that's just, one thing I have in five E is like, I'm like, do I roll a, like a history or like a, cause like say someone's trying to recall something, you know what I mean? Mm. It's hard, especially if they're not a, a non-intelligence character, but they might know things. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a thing too. Hard yeah. For that's, that. I think that's a thing that urban has talked about a lot from our campaign mm. is that he doesn't want to speak up sometimes because let's say for example, Ike is really good at persuasion. He's like, what's the point of me talking is how he's thinking in his head. What's the point of me talking with my negative two or whatever, or plus right. two when I can do a plus eight. It makes sense game wise, and it ruins that element for me personally. That the numbers, the black and white, is coming into the game that I first fell in love with, which had no rules. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, and that ruins it for me. So I like the idea of bringing in backstories, and maybe like you can keep those skills, but bringing in those backgrounds as being replacing proficiencies. Maybe yeah. I don't know. That's where I'm thinking about putting my head for that. But 13H starts bringing in these elements of bringing that story and minimalizing stuff and not making it so black and white. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Another thing it did was like remove movement. I don't know how I feel about it, but pretty much like movement doesn't matter. At some point, you're going to get to the person you want to fight. So why not just be able to be that action here you wanted to be and just be able to get to wherever you want to be? I don't fully agree with that. The biggest one... And this goes into what I was doing a lot of research and I, I had a revelation on because mm-hmm. we've had many conversations about combat and why combat's bad. Right. Is that somebody took a curve on YouTube. It was a fantastic small YouTuber. His name's like Knights of the Last Call. Mm-hmm. And he's like super small, like 9K viewers, but he's massive for 13 Age and like other things. Like he just, he's like the Matt Coville under the radar. Right. I somehow found him and he does live streams and gets paid like hundreds of dollars by donators oh, to like cool. get questions answered. Yeah, he does like three hour live streams. He's amazing. Good resource. Okay. And he, um, he talked about like combat having tension and pretty much what D&D 5e combat runs as everybody has all their resources in the beginning we don't know what the enemy does and as time goes on we slowly lose our resources until we get to the end where we're just like all out of everything and we're like we're pretty much slapping each other versus hitting each other with anything because we lost everything we had so all that tension has gone because one we don't know what the enemy does and two we have all our resources right so we have all these options so tension's high we're like okay we have all these options what are we going to do here what are we going to do but then once you get past that first round you realize what that enemy kind of has an idea of what they're doing that tension really just starts going down and it just never comes back up it's hard to get that back up and so what 13h does instead which i really like and i really want to implement is they have this escalation dice which Mm. is like 1d6 and the whole idea is that instead of starting from the top having all your resources you start kind of more at a disadvantage and work your way up Mm. if you put yourself in that dangerous situation so the whole idea about an escalation dice is that um you start at one or zero technically and then after the second turn if you're constantly putting yourself in danger if you're like fighting this guy it'll go up one escalation dice Mm. and how they oriented in the balance that like of starting at a disadvantage in the beginning is that the enemy will have a higher ac in the beginning pretty much so they're going to be technically, you always know that this fight's going to be harder if it's a boss battle, especially in the beginning. But the right. further you fight on, the further you're going to wear it down, the further you're going to see weaknesses, which I think realistically and in a video game wise makes sense. The further on you're going to fight in a combat, you're going to realize things. Mm-hmm. So the way it works is that the escalation dice, the more you play, the more the number goes up. So mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, and it's a D6. So it's very easy to keep track. 
And every time that number goes up, you add that number to your attack and damage. So mm. if it's at escalation dice two, you add a plus two to your attack. Everybody does. Mm. And a plus two to your damage. So that means you have two plus higher chance of hitting this enemy. Right. And the more you put yourself in that danger, the more that escalation dice will increase, giving you better rewards. And a lot of the, the abilities in the game also rely on that tension being high. Mm -hmm. So maybe some of your best moves, like if you're a wizard, some of those best moves that you'll have will be happening when you're at a certain tension level. Mm -hmm. So you're like planning for a situation for that to come up. Or like you're hoping that like you put yourself in that danger and you get that. And if you avoid danger, the dice goes down based on what the DM decides, pretty much. Mm -hmm. It's up to the DM's discretion. I see. But I like that idea that resources aren't all being expended in the beginning, like the highest stuff immediately, because you're like, if I use my highest level magic right now in the beginning, and I don't know what this enemy does, and I have a less chance to hit him because the escalation dice isn't that high, then it'll be a waste because it'll be harder to hit him probably right now. Mm. So maybe I should wait a little bit, see what the weaknesses are, see what he's doing, and then respond to that. And then the harder bosses also respond to that. So like if the higher escalation dice, yeah. It's really cool. I really like that. That is cool. Um, and, the, and the dice is decided by the DM? Yeah, so there's a general basis on how you deal with it. Pretty much it's like by turn. So like turn two, you go up one escalation dice automatically if they're fighting. I see. And then it just keeps going up after that point. But the DM can really, the, the book, the way they wrote it was like, look, we're doing this for fun. And like, we think the all our other previous books are pretty rule heavy. Mm -hmm. So this is putting the DM hands. If It's up to you if you want to increase it. If you're like, man, our, my group's doing really sick things right now. And this fight should be like going in their favor probably. Let's increase it up one more notch. I see. And it, mm -hmm. and it, it decreases that tension a little bit, but it also kind of increases it because maybe that enemy is going to get a second wind based on the tension going up, and they're going to get their better abilities and more chances mm -hmm. of hit. So it kind of builds that tension versus, you know, that constant nosedive of all resources, all the enemy's abilities. It's almost, like a, uh, it's like almost like a dial the DM has access to turning to, like, shift things in terms of... Because, like, one thing in, D yeah. in 5e you don't have is as a DM... You only control the enemies. You don't really control... I mean, unless they have, like, a layer. But you don't control um, the way the environment's rolling too much. You can't really yes. control the flow of combat except for how right. the enemy responds. But Correct. with the Exhalation Dice, you're kind of controlling part of the rules. You're taking the dice how you want it to be to change yeah. the flow of combat if you think that it's too easy, too hard, or if you're, and your, your team is winning and they should be, or they're losing and they should be. Right, and it removes a really good um, issue that happens in 5e, which is like when you get to the end of a battle and like you have all these stragglers around and you could say like, okay, yeah, you guys killed them off or whatever. But in this system, it doesn't really matter because the, the way the combat works is that initially like the turns don't go on forever because mm. when you turn that escalation dice constantly up and once you get to the highest level, like plus six damage and plus six a hit, you're probably hitting almost every time. You're getting through pretty quick. Yeah. Right, so you're going to kill all those stragglers, but also it shortens the combat length because you can make the, the tension really high because maybe that enemy's also responding to the escalation dice to some mm -hmm. extent. So it, it, I think it's a really good system to remove that tension being decreased and also make that combat system a little bit more intimidating. And for like a West Marches campaign, like what I'm thinking about doing, I want death to be an actual thing because... In long game campaigns, it's harder to do, like we've talked mm. about. But in a West Marches campaign where the people are just constantly going out, exploring, there should be that level of death if they decide to push it for the risk of like getting something. Right. And so I like the idea that this escalation dice can help provide that factor of being like, 
well, if we really risk our life out here and we roll really good and the enemy rolls really bad, maybe we can get that escalation dice up high, we can win. Right. And also it just it just works really well for that I don't know, putting yourself in danger to get the extra reward of getting that right. escalation dice, you know? Yeah, I see. Um Yeah, so that's another one I really, really liked. Um Any others you found? Um there's been other things like crafting and things like that. Um I like the way they do death and health but i think there's a weird thing that i learned by looking for other systems is that 5e is good it's good i know 5e so well as somebody who's played 5e so long Mm -hmm. that why change everything that i know if i don't have to necessarily and manipulate it and i think it's an argument that can be made that you either full swap to something new and then you inherit those weaknesses but then you fix the weaknesses you already have or you fix the ones you have and do that extra work and I feel like looking into 13 age is kind of fixing all the ones that I had issues with. Mm-hmm. And so I could just pick and pull things from it. And it's so similar that it's like, it's dumb not to even try and do sure. that. Because no, it's like, cool. like I said, if you had that one D six on the table, everybody can see a D six on the table being super easy. Like mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, five. Right. It's super easy. Um, so that, those are the main things I found. I, I was looking into death and those type of factors and I did find one that was interesting. Um, let me check it real fast. Sure. Um, where is it? Lasting wounds is what they're called in the game. Mm. Um, and the idea is that pretty much every time you go unconscious, um, your maximum hit points, so you can get brought back to life and everything, but your maximum hit points will decrease two plus your class level. And this is cumulative. Mm-hmm. So every time you get knocked down, your max hit points can get dropped. And I really like the idea about that because it's adding an element of when you go unconscious in 5e, there's two factors that come into death on for like looking at game mechanics wise. Is that um, there's no consequence for going unconscious. Right. You can go unconscious as many times as possible. The only thing is dying. Well, sure, that's really bad. But you also get like potentially six rolls to potentially determine if you die or not, or five rolls right. or whatever. So, like, it's not that bad in reality. So, I like the idea there's a consequence for going down constantly. And also... I do like that, too. Yeah. And I like the idea for story element, too, just as a side note for that. Um, but also, long rests are so powerful in 5e. Like, you get everything back. Mm-hmm. Pacing, like... It's hard to get short rests in, and short rests don't benefit every single class in 5e, because they weren't made to. They're meant to benefit only a certain ones, like sorcerers or right. monks. But like, what about everybody else? They're just going to sit there and get back to their health, but none of their abilities? Do right. they want to go fight? <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. Right. So I like the idea of maybe manipulating this rule also, like the lasting wounds, so that full rests are only done, for example, in the city for a West Marches one. Because mm-hmm. the city is always the safe haven anyways. Right. So it forces you to retreat if you start getting all these wounds. And maybe these wounds aren't super easy to heal. Even, right. at, even if you're home, maybe you have to spend gold on this to determine, like, for the king. Mm-hmm. I always think about, like, for the king, where, like, that king, home yeah. city... Is like you're safe, but when you get there, yet you can pay to rest, or you can pay to get healed by like a medic, and mm-hmm. both give you different healing. So, I've been looking into these type of things for that as well because wounds, short we- short rests, and full rests, I don't think they work super well in five E. But I also agree. on the other hand, I don't think you should change the whole thing. Right. I think we just add small elements like the lasting wound just to add a little flair to it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it also gives story elements too. Like if you got a wound over your eye maybe you could talk about it right you know what i mean and give the player the control of being like okay you got slashed and you're unconscious what do you want your big wound to look like mm, you know that'd be cool yeah it's cool it's story elements you know yeah 
So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking a lot about, like, you know, D&D alternatives, what they would look like and stuff like that. Let's say you were going to make your own tabletop RPG system. What would be yeah. your focus and why? Um... I think I thought about it a lot. I I feel like if I did do my gaming system, I'm too fond of no minimalizing the rules mm-hmm. and just rules like light. bare bones rules light completely because the most fun I won't say most fun, the but the most fun memories I can remember to some extent have been when there's been less rules cuz mm-hmm. I was always more creative mm-hmm. cuz once people put these thoughts into your head of what you are and not able to do right. or you just get latched onto those thoughts instead of having those unique, interesting thoughts that you come right. up with yourself. And so, honestly, it'd be really stupid, but I would probably make what I what we probably played with before, which was like 2d6 or a d20 works the exact same. You get your basic stats, your six stats, and all it would be would probably be monster stats. Yeah. And like economy based mm-hmm. stuff. Because there's not enough of that tables and stuff. They're all like scattered around. So yeah. you have to like go scavenging all these different books for all these things. But if you just had like a table of economy, a table of weapons, table of armor, and a monster stats, and you just had six stats and maybe the background system from 13H, which I think is really good because mm-hmm. everybody can learn that immediately. You'd be like, oh yeah. Like if somebody never played DD before and they don't need the numbers, they just be like, well, I was a barber before, so right. I should be good at counting people's. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's yeah, obvious. Yeah, like yeah. you want to make that. Assumption. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I would just do those type of things. I would just do the six base basic stats, a background system like that. You don't need all the other junk, honestly. Mm-hmm. The magic maybe would be useful, but even then, I would maybe even do magic where it was like just the title name of mm-hmm. what the spell is. Like for mm-hmm. example, like um, magic missile. From somebody who never played D anD D before, maybe they have a really unique idea for magic missile. Mm. Why should I fill in the gap for that? Maybe mm. you can like provide like a recommended damage underneath it, but I don't need to give you a magical description about what it is necessarily. Maybe mm. some people do need that, but I think once you're playing this type of game, it's nicer not to have that hand holding. So I'd probably make a super rule light mm. and just give all the utility of what the DM would need, and then just let the players flow with what they want to do in that realm. Probably. Cool. Yeah. Um, so something I've noticed or I've thought about a little bit. So tabletop RPGs, um, almost all of the big ones, and I'm assuming most of the ones we've talked about today are all based in a fantasy setting. Correct. Yeah. Why do you think it is that they're mostly, they find most, the most success in a fantasy setting and not another setting like the superhero genre or like horror or whatever it is? Uh... I feel like horror and fantasy are probably the two more popular ones because I feel like they they mesh really well. Sure. Like I think about um I forget what the vampire one's called, but it's like for five E where there's like a fear mm. factor added onto yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That I feel like those are the two popular. I don't think there's an easy explanation why necessarily, but I think when people think about tabletop role playing games, you think about D and D probably. I think mm-hmm. it's probably the the the. What's the name? The um, not marketing, but like popularity. The brand. The brand. brand. People think of the brand, and they think about okay, well, D and D is about Dungeons and Dragons, and it's all about like maybe like Lord of the Rings. We know what Lord of the Rings is. Maybe we know what Narnia is. We know what Narnia is. All magical creatures and stuff. And everybody like okay, well, 
there's a lot of mythology and stuff that can be linked to that too. Right. So you can't really bring that. Well, I guess you could, but you don't really think about like, oh, a minotaur in space right. against laser guns. You're like, that sounds stupid. But I think a reason why fantasy is so popular is because we've had it since the beginning of human right. history. We've always thought about like, f- like fantastical creatures and like massive battles and being mm-hmm. like old heroes of the past. Yeah. Like you can think about being future heroes like Star Wars, but it it just comes up to being just aliens and stuff, yeah. and it might not be as easy to think of of versus all the resources we have in the past and right. all the content that we've like visited. So that's fair. that's probably why, yeah, in my opinion. If you were to make or like play in a non fantasy setting like tabletop RPG, what would you? What would be your top choice? What would you want to play besides fantasy? World War Two. World War Two. I did think about doing a World War II one really far back when I was like with that small group. Mm-hmm. We were doing just like, oh, we were like, well, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing matters. All we need to figure out is how the damage works. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I would have done it for the weapons and armor for like when I was making one. Mm-hmm. It's because I was just like, the only thing I really need to figure out was like, okay, you get a Thompson, you get the choice between all these weapons the Thompson, the right. M1 Grand, you're going behind as a paratrooper, and you got to do this mission like in Medal of Honor. Mm-hmm. This is all we need. But I need to figure out how the damage worked. And right. once I gave the damage out, we're done. Right. And I, I, I like that idea of like doing things like maybe suppress a fire and that type of thing for that. Yeah. And like I know the history well too, so I'd be like, oh, there's a Panzer coming over the hill. Yeah. Oh no, an anti tank. And I think that'd be quite fun. That'd be really um, cool. I would play that. Yeah, I, I think it'd be quite fun. I don't know how it would like work, but I'd probably keep it bare bones because you don't need a ton of rules. You could probably mm-hmm. implement it into Five E, but Five E rules are better for fantasy. It's better for exploration mm-hmm. and stuff. While Maybe you could bear like minimize it. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I want to give you some some dates here. Mm. So the first edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out in 1974. Mm. Um, the the first edition that, that's the original edition. The first edition of Dungeons yeah, yeah, and yeah. Dragons came out in 1977. Second edition came out in 1989. Third edition came out in 2000. Fourth edition came out in 2008. Well, sorry, I forgot to mention th- third uh, 3.5. 3.5 was 2003. Mm. Fourth edition was 2008, and then fifth edition was 2014. It's almost been 10 years since fifth edition came out. Do you think we're going to see a sixth edition anytime soon? And if we do, what do you think will <laughs> change? Oh, man, I don't know. See, the thing is, what the more I've learned, the more I realize how stupid I am about tabletop and making... <laughs> because... It's kind of like we've talked about it many times in side conversations. Like, I'm not an expert. Mm-hmm. I would have no idea what they would change. What would they add? Like, I feel like once I start looking at all these different game systems, they all look the same mm-hmm. too. To That's some extent, fair. they just have a new can of paint and yeah, like paint, extra yeah. rules that I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Wow. So I couldn't say. That's fair. I think there probably will be one soon. I've heard rumors about it, but 5e is such a good basic one that I can't see them wanting to go fully away from it. So it'd have to be semi-similar to 5e yeah. at this point. I don't think they could go away from it because the popularity has risen because of it. Yeah. I did hear that there is um, AI like ChatGPT being linked with the D&D brand. Interesting. Soon. So maybe there will be things linked to that, maybe? For the future one, but yeah, I don't know. I will say on a side note, the first D&D is brought up a lot when looking up other game systems. Really? It's either like 5e 
or like the first and second edition D and D, and for Westmarch's campaigns especially, people have been, said that they ran it in both one e and like two e, and also and they had like a name for it. I don't remember what the name of it is called. Mm. Like for like that initial genre of D and D, yeah, and then five e, and there's like a whole debate about like XP and how that works, yeah. and like because like gold rewarding and stuff. Like in XP for Westmarch's, the whole idea is that the players don't all level up milestone. Mm. Which is an element. I think that's another issue, honestly, Loki, with long game campaigns. This milestone can be hit or miss, depending. Yeah. Because some players might be waiting a really long time for theirs, while the other ones are fine because they're like got everything they needed for what they want. Right. But in West Marches, everybody's supposed to level up differently. So you're supposed to have like a party that's like a level six person, level six wizard, level four warrior, and a level three monk. Sure. And they're supposed to all go out and be fine, pretty much. Right. Which. I've heard mixed reviews because it got really popular over COVID, the West mm. Marches style, because mm. everybody was home and they didn't have anything to do. Right. Um, and there's been really mixed like ideas about like should you do milestone where like everybody's funding their resource towards the group XP, like the the guild XP, or should everybody level up individually? Right. But they refer to firsty a lot for like the dungeon delving aspect and the the level up aspect, especially. Mm. Um, which I find interesting that it's still so prevalent that like the newer systems haven't replaced what the first one really gave right to this, for the game and like I don't think I could ever visit it but no because maybe wack, there's but, yeah. an opportunity yeah I don't know yeah it's interesting yeah okay last official question I have here um mm. so I wanted to talk a, a little bit about Baldur's Gate three so Baldur's yeah. Gate three did it. Did it release like today? When is today. it coming out? Yeah, today? Yeah, today. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, recording is on the third. Um, so translating D and D into a video game. Yeah. How do you think they should go about that? And then, do you think that you lose anything when you do that, and do you gain anything when you do that? I think it's you just gain the video game buffs, which is you streamline combat, mm -hmm. combat in Divinity, for example, the one that they previously yes. published. Like, sure. Excuse me. It took a really long time to do, but. It was super well optimized. It right. gave everything that a tabletop would give, but you just press a button. You don't have to roll anything. It's automatically right. done, and that's super nice. Right. Um, you also get a story that the, there's no DM required for a video right. game like Baldur's Gate, so that's definitely a big benefit. Visually, it's stunning, so you actually can visually see what's happening versus like theater of the mind or even looking at a board. It mm. kind of removes some element of like believability. Mm. Um, and but then the main issue is really you're losing all the customization that. Like freedom of choice, right? Which, at the end of the day, like I said, once you're doing D and D and you know all the rules, it's hard to stray away from the rules once you know the rules, right? And so, like, are you losing that much in reality? I don't know. That's fair. I, like, That's fair. <laughs> in my mind, I don't know if you actually are. Mm. Um, but I've heard good things. I think yep. like it has like a hundred hours of cinematics apparently. Alone. That's crazy. Stupid. That's it's something insane. stupid. Yeah, so it's Dude, stupid. That's crazy. Everybody's playing it, and I did see a minor. I, I've been completely avoiding it, but there yeah. is a D twenty roll system for checks. Oh, interesting. Which is interesting. So I guess they're really pulling in that five E. Wow, yeah, because like, that's something that Divinity didn't. I mean, I think Divinity did have checks. It wasn't shown. But it didn't show it wasn't you. Wasn't like yeah. a dice or anything. Like you would like yeah. in dialogue, you would click an option. It would say you need this is an intelligence yeah. thing, and then you would just like pass or fail. But they wouldn't like tell you. That's interesting. Yeah. So yeah, they actually have like a dice fully, that yeah. for any roll. Yeah, fully so, D hide. I don't know. I, I'm I'm excited for it. I That's think a very it's very exciting. Pass. It's very cool. Yeah. All right. Any last thoughts, feelings about this you wanted to go over? Um, 
No, that's just a general thing. I've just been looking into other game systems, and yeah. I've been slowly building up one to try to try West Marches. Just a beta test. I've been telling everybody it's like just a beta test because yeah. like it's honestly what it is. I just want to see if it's fun. Yeah. I want to see if like that type of game system works, like mixing 13H with it, and I want to see if if it if it is something that works, and I'm just not a DM for it. Like maybe I hand the reins to you. Maybe I hand the yeah. reins to somebody else. But I like the idea that everybody can be evolved because there's some yeah. people that have been waiting to play D and D a long time, like I did for right. like a decade. Right. And being the opportunity to be like, oh, hey Blake, I'm available now. Let's schedule a game because you know you and I are available. Let's play. And that, oh, that's one element I didn't really say about the West Marches. It's that since it's kind of like the players are making their own story. Mm-hmm. If they have an idea, like they said, oh, there's a dragon marked on this map. It's not up to the DM to say, okay, we're all scheduling every 15 players. We're all playing on Friday, and we have right. to make that session. Pretty much, there's no obligations to have a scheduled date. It's pretty mm-hmm. much up to the players to be like, that dragon's on the map. That's pretty cool. Who can we get to play with us? Okay, right. we got like three of us. Okay, hey, Doc, we want to do this dragon that's on the map that we think is here. Can we go there? And you'd be like, sure. Yeah. Um, give me like three days to prep, and then we can do it. Yeah. Bam. You don't have to have everybody waiting in like we- waiting weeks to do things. So, I see, yeah. It's, I don't know. It just seems nice. More it seems like a nice attempt. Yeah, but I've heard hit and miss things with it, where like you can have talks with players and stuff like that. But mm. I'm like, I don't know. It's worth a try. Why not try yeah. it? Right. So. Well, yeah. I am very excited to see how that goes, and uh, definitely keep me updated on what you learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Doc.